Hey everyone, this is a bonus Q&A episode. I try and uh, answer questions live every Thursday. Uh, You can sign up to come to my free live Q&A at schoolforthedogs.com slash Q and A and you will see the next one I'm doing. I then am trying to take recordings of those Q&As and post them here to the podcast feed. If you have a question, you can email me directly, Annie at School for the Dogs. You can also go to anchor.fm slash dogs and record your question there. Thanks for being here. This is Annie Grossman here. I am doing a live. Um, if you would like to join, we had some technical difficulties, but you can find you can join now at uh, schoolforthedogs.com slash Q&A, um, or you can just hang out here. Uh, I have some great questions here. We have Max and Melissa in the room with us right now. Max has a... Uh, a dog, a two-year-old standard poodle named Lolo. I'm not sure I met Lolo, but how is Lolo doing? Um, anyway, uh, thanks for sticking with me. There were some technical difficulties just now, um, but I have some great questions. Um, I'm not sure if those who ask these questions are in the room, but if you are, do say hello. All right, our first question is from Michelle Adams. Uh, who has a Labrador, 70 pounds, uh, lives in San Diego. And Michelle writes me this. Cooper has been going to Fiesta Island, a large off-leash park where he can chase a ball (coughs) and play with other dogs for about three months now. He has been going with a dog walker who also has other dogs. He absolutely loves Fiesta Island. This week, he has decided he does not want to leave the house when they show up to take him. He is home by himself and simply needs to go out the doggy door. Rather, he sits on the sofa and looks at them through the window. If they come into the house, he will go with them. Uh, He then has a blast while he is at the park. Pictures to verify. I guess she's saying they take pictures to verify this. Um... The first time he refused to go, they asked him if he wanted a treat, and he went right out the dog door. The second time he refused to go, they again tried asking him if he wanted a treat, and he still refused to go. They had to go into my home to take him. I am not certain if he is just being lazy, like not really his style. Oh, she says it's not really his style, or if I should listen to him and realize that he doesn't want to go. Really great question. Um... This, I, I love these dog training questions that are kind of like, like you have to play like forensic dog trainer to try and figure out, figure out what happened. Um, and uh, of course, we can't we can't ask our dogs like, hey, did something happen on the way to, did something happen on the way to um, Fiesta Island or at Fiesta Island? So my suggestions to you, first of all, um, you know. Listen to him. There's something about this situation that is making him uncomfortable. Is it, is it going, getting off the couch? Is it going through the dog door? Is it the trip to Fiesta Island? Is it, is it something that's happening at Fiesta Island? 
we we can't you know we we can't know unless we sort of do our our <laughs> forensic behavioral investigation um so i i would suggest maybe starting with making sure you know stay closest to home is it the dog door is he fine going out the dog door when you're home and the dog walkers come you know um what if you are outside and you hand him off to the the dog walker? How does he seem about going at that point? I also think you uh, you might want to ask them to send you video of him rather than photos because that might help you get a better sense of um, his body language, how he's doing, um, if he really is uh, comfortable. Um, uh, I should plug, we do have a really great body language course you can uh, take at self-paced course. It's at schoolforthedogs.com slash courses. Um, because, you know, you really want to make sure that, you know, sometimes in a freeze frame, it can be hard to hard to tell exactly what's going on. Um, if you can't, I mean, you can make some guesses. I mean, you're only ever really going to be making guesses, but you want to make the best possible educated guess that you can and making sure that you really understand what, you know, body language he's showing that might show you he is or isn't comfortable. But, you know, something might have happened one day. And again, because we can't talk to them, we can't know, you know, there, there's this there's this quote that I love. Oh, I love this quote so much. I'm going to read it. It's from um, The Cocktail Party by T.S. Eliot. Um, we die to each other daily. What we know of other people is only our memory of the moments during which we knew them. And they have changed since then. To pretend that they and we are the same is a useful and convenient social convention which must sometimes be broken. We must also remember that at every meeting we are meeting a stranger. I think about that quote all the time. I think about it in my own life, how you know I am not the same person I was yesterday. I think about it uh, certainly in terms of dogs. So Cooper is not the same dog as he was yesterday. We are the sum total of our experiences. Our, our, you know, our environments can change who we are, how we feel. Um, and, you know, think about, think about all the, the experiences Cooper is having when you're not around. I mean, experiences he's having when you're around that are shaping his future behaviors, of course, but think about all the things that are happening when he's not around. When you're when you're not around because he's alone on Fiesta Island, so um, you know something might have happened on um, on Monday that Tuesday, you know, different dog. He has different feelings about Fiesta Island. Another thing I was going to suggest is that you go go to Fiesta Island. Uh, I love it. It's called Fiesta Island. Sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, go to Fiesta Island with him if you can, whether that's with the dog walker and the other dogs or just on your own. Um, but, you know, investigate how he does when you're there, because I think, uh, you know, you uh, ideally should be a point of safety and security for him. So having him, having you there um, might give him more confidence, might make him feel better about being there. Um, okay, I have a question here from Max. Max says, here's my question, if there's time for it. I have a two-year-old standard poodle who graduated from School for the Dogs' puppy program, Lolo. He's an excellent dog and has only had one 
ex- accident when he was a young pup. However, when I have visitors, he gets so excited, happy to see them, <laughs> that he pees a little. I've tried things like having him on a leash when visitors arrive or having him wait in a separate room. And although it does help, I'm wondering if there are other things I should be doing so that it doesn't happen at all. Um, you know, my my best quick suggestion for this, first of all, you know, it it could be, is he neutered? Because I, I, I'm not sure, but I think sometimes when dogs are neutered, um, it can make some of them more inclined to uh, have uh, small bathroom accidents, uh, both male and female, but I, I could be wrong. Could be something to ask your vet. Um, as far as excitement pee goes, it sounds like you're doing a lot of, a lot of the things I would suggest, um, uh, keep comings and goings low key, um, whether or not, you know, having him on leash, um, maybe having him in a crate in the, the, People could approach the crate and uh, greet him in the crate where at least then if he's peeing, he's peeing in a very specific area, Um, you know, practice some crate greetings in that way. Um, I think that uh, the best thing to do, though, would probably be to practice lots of visitors coming and going. But that's sort of a a weird thing to be suggesting right now um, while we're still um, in some degree of... uh, of quarantine, uh, you know, uh, you're probably not going to want to have people coming and going all the time, but you could, so you could try and establish some kind of routine of what happens when people come, come in, when people come in, Lolo is in his crate, they approach, they hang out with him sort of by his crate in like a low key way. Um, you could practice even just, you know, with like you and your partner coming in and doing that so that he learns and, you know, give, give him treats in the crate or give him meals in the crate. I I don't know that much about the crate use that you um, are doing. Um, uh, But uh, I think the more that you can get him used to like people come in, the the sort of pattern of like people come in and then I, uh, I go to my crate and they say hi to me there. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Max says the hardest part is having the visitors greet him in a calm manner. Okay, well that is human training. <laughs> um, Melissa is here and writes, Ollie will be eight weeks when I bring him home. How quickly do you suggest potty training? I know you want to start pretty quickly, but do I give him one day to just be as opposed to trying to get him on a schedule that very first day? Um, you know, that's a really good question, Melissa. I um, it's funny because I I don't think we should encourage um, too much like wee-wee pad training uh, with dogs, uh, too much like newspapers on the ground because we don't want dogs could, to get super used to um, peeing and pooping um, on things that are soft. Um, but on the other hand, like I don't think you need to be too aggro about it either if you feels more comfortable to you to like put a wee-wee pad down and let him pee and poop on the wee-wee pad, you know, you're, you're right. Is it, are you asking too much? Maybe. I don't know exactly what your situation is. If you have like a, you know, beautiful little private grassy area outside of your, your front door and you want to put him there and it's private and it's secure and he doesn't have to be unleashed, then do that. Um, you know, actually when I first got my dog, I, uh, I lived in like a really ideal situation. It was like a ground floor, um, little studio apartment and I could like 
pick them up and uh, get them right outside ASAP. Um, but, you know, if you live in like a high rise building, just getting the dog from <laughs> the apartment to outside can be pretty stressful. And um, uh, for, the, for, <laughs> for you and for the dog. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if you want to if you want to get your dog feeling OK, just about existing with you in this new apartment, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, I think you could take it easy and not stress out about it too much because introducing your dog to being outside is uh, in and of itself a stressful thing. You can still or can be, you know, but it's it's like a new layer, add, adding a new layer of of craziness to to a world that has already been turned upside down because you know they go from living with you know if you're getting a puppy from a breeder living you know with its mother and siblings etc to living with a new person in in a in an apartment in an urban environment is uh, is already asking a lot um that doesn't mean that peeing and pooping can't be on cue like you could already start adding a cue to it i mean the cue can quite simply be the wee-wee pad. You know, oh, there's a wee-wee pad on the ground. Uh, that's a place where it's okay for me to pee and poop. And I actually like suggesting that people like pick up the wee-wee pad. Like it doesn't, you, your dog can learn that when there's a wee-wee pad down, I go on that wee-wee pad. And when there's not a wee-wee pad, I don't go on the wee-wee pad. And if you have a dog that you're gonna travel with, if you have a dog, you know, if you're gonna be on an airplane and you need your dog to go, um, you know, there are lots of reasons why you or if you if you live in a very high up building and there's a you know thunderstorm there are lots of reasons why especially if you have a small dog you might want a dog who knows oh when a wee wee pad is on the ground that's where I do my uh, my biz um, does that help answer your question Melissa uh, <clears throat> all right a couple other questions that came in recently that I love to get to. Okay. Rachel, uh, also in California in Santa Barbara has a Chihuahua mix, 13 pounds named peaches. <clears throat> uh, and Rachel says my dog and I just moved. And in my new apartment, I have a lovely patio. I bought one of those real grass patches for my dog peaches to use out on the patio, but she won't use it. She is housebroken and will go pee and poop on walks. But so far for, ugh, sorry, but so far, nothing on the patio. In our previous apartment, there was no outdoor area, so she exclusively did her business on walks. <coughs> Excuse me. How should I train her to use it? I'm hoping she can use it for at least peeing in the morning, first thing, and at night, since I get home from work late and I don't want to walk by myself late at night. So far, I walk her up to it on her leash. I use one of those go here training sprays, and I use the same word I use to encourage her to go on walks. I have treats on hand, but since there has been no success yet, she has got not gotten a treat. She typically ends up sitting or laying down on the grass and looks at me expectantly. Oh. God bless dogs. They're just like, what is it this person wants from me? What is it? What is it? I don't know. I want to do the right thing. All right. <laughs> so again, uh, Rachel, and I don't think Rachel's in this room right now, and I don't have details about Rachel's setup. Again, looks like she lives in Santa Barbara. Um, but, you know, I'm guessing that uh, the turf that Rachel wants peaches to be going on on her patio is quite different than uh, the substrate Peaches is used to going on outside, right? Usually we ask our dogs to go 
on uh, on cement, right, on the sidewalk, on the street. And, um, you know, I've seen people get these, you know, grass patches or, you know, uh, like they make ones with like chips, like wood chips or whatever. It's very different. You know, a lot of dogs really like to go on soft things. A lot of dogs like to go on grass. But, you know, like a four foot square rectangle of grass does not resemble uh, the grass that your dog is probably going on outside. Uh, so my suggestion is, um, uh, well, a couple things. One, I think I've, I've mentioned this uh, in Q&As before, I think, or on the podcast. Um, a, a, a trainer I know, another trainer in New York City, uh, Jay Andors, uh, gave me this idea, which is to put a piece of cement on your patio. I'm not sure how to do this. I've never done this myself, but I guess like maybe you can go to Home Depot and like get cement and pour some, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure if you look on Pinterest, there must be a way to make some kind of like homemade little sidewalk area on your patio. Uh, that might be more familiar to her. I also think, um, you know, using, you know, the word that you're trying to use to encourage her to go. If she doesn't know what you're talking about, it doesn't really matter what you're saying to her. And it sounds like she's not that clear. So I wouldn't, you know, worry too much about saying like a word to encourage her. You just really want to focus on uh, giving her a lot of opportunities to go on your patio and to not have opportunities to go elsewhere. So, you know, set out a, um, set out a kind of like a schedule where you're going to take your dog on walks on leash on your patio. Uh, and then, um, yeah, if she does go, then you're, you know, the, the trick to adding a cue with when you're teaching a dog to, uh, eliminate where you want them to go is to give the cue right as they are about to go. And then slowly over time, you're going to start saying it a little bit earlier and earlier. But in the beginning, it's just like you're attaching the word to the behavior. You, you're not eliciting, you know, the, the behavior is not happening because you've said the word, which is like, I think, a mistake that humans, a, a mistake humans make when thinking about it. It's not like I say go potty and my dog like pulls the potty out of my dog who's never heard the words go potty before. Right. It's like you're you're attaching a symbol to this behavior. And then later you will be able to give that sim symbol, you know, be it, you know, a word or or, uh, you know, a whistle or whatever you want. And uh, and your dog will know what the hell you're it is that you're talking about. So you're going to say the word, you know, business as your dog is lifting that leg only once. And then you are going to reward it with really, really great stuff. And, you know, that could be your dog's like in food. I mean, look, it's not like you're going to be starving your dog. Your, your dog has to eat and your dog has to pee and poop. So it's just a matter of sort of using the food that you're going to give your dog for meals anyway, or at least some of it. Um, productively in order to reward this behavior, which you desperately want, which is your dog to go on your, uh, on your patio. All right. Let me know how that goes with peaches. That's such a cute name. Okay. Uh, last question here is from Bristol who has a Morky, a four pound Morky, uh, in, um, Kansas. The Morky's name is Velma. <laughs> My five-year-old Yorkie mix, Velma, refuses to eat 
75% of the time. I have tried switching foods and offering her alternatives when she refuses, but sometimes she just isn't interested. When she refuses to eat, it causes a bile buildup in her stomach, which leads to her vomiting and eventually having diarrhea. We can combat this sometimes if we force feed her peanut butter immediately after refusing food, at which time she will decide, either decide she is hungry and she'll start eating, or she will vomit up the peanut butter and feel better and be able to eat. Her finicky eating habits are driving us up a wall. This is a multiple times a week occurrence. We notice a change in this behavior if she is around other dogs, though. It's almost like she is more willing to eat when other dogs are around because it introduces competition. This is so interesting. My parents and their dogs stayed at our house while we were out of town a few weeks ago and had no problems with her getting sick or eating. She stayed with another family who has dogs, and they didn't experience any issues either. The whole thing has come to a head now since we had to take her to the emergency dogter. <laughs> Spelled out D-O-G-T-E-R. At 4 a.m. because she left us a murder scene after missing two meals. Bloody poop everywhere. Incredible. Then it, that, <laughs> Incredible that it came from such a small thing. The emergency dogter was unconcerned and sent us home with antibiotics. My frustration really peaked when Velma expressed an interest in our McDonald's hash browns as we pulled out of the parking lot at 5 a.m. Now she wanted to eat. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> After an expensive emergency vet visit in the middle of a work night, I'm thankful that she is okay and ate something, but my new carpet isn't thankful for the blood spots. The question that my husband and I have been circling for months now is, should we get a second dog? Spending so much time working from home right now would allow us ample time to train a new dog, and fighting puppy accidents for a bit wouldn't be a big deal if it means that we don't have to fight Velma's sick accidents in the future. We don't particularly want another dog, since we are going to be starting a human family soon, but we would love another dog uh, well, and if it were to make Velma's life easier, dot, 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 dot. Okay. This question is, is I, I, <laughs> wow. The, the, the forensic dog trainer work is here is, is not easy. Um, first of all, if your dog is like pooping blood a few times a week, I think you need to find a really good vet. Like I don't, know how much this, I mean, it's curious that you're saying the, I mean, it's interesting that you're saying that, 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 uh, that the competition makes her more interested in eating. And, um, I, I, I believe that could totally be true. And you could certainly try other things to see if you could get her interested in eating, like feeding her in toys, you know, maybe like if she sees the food as like toys in a game, I mean, like points in a game, you could also try um, feeding it to her in training. Uh, I assume that you have tried uh, lots of different, you said you tried different foods and alternatives, but, you know, try giving her the food in these new kinds of ways could pique her interest. But even if that does pique her interest, I mean, please, like, find a vet who can get to the bottom of this. Um, if If you don't have success with, like, you know, a normal vet, definitely look for one that's more holistic. Um, happy to uh, give you some 
recommendations on, uh, I, I recently worked with like a couple of vets who do like Eastern medicine with dogs. I don't know. Like, I, I think this is something that you need to in, in, in investigate from on the medical side um, before you take the step of getting another dog. Certainly, um, certainly, uh, you know, try some of the things I'm suggesting, but vet, 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 vet. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, I, I don't think getting a, another dog is, is necessarily a terrible idea. Uh, if you think that you, if, if you really think that would make her life better, happier, um, maybe, maybe, um, you know, but I, I just want to point out that the phenomenon could go away if she's no longer worried about, um, losing her food from another dog. And I'm not sure that that's, I'm not sure that that's the best reason to be uh, getting another dog because um, like I said, you know, it, it could wear off. And if she's eating another, if she's eating her food faster because she's stressed that another dog is going to take her food, you know, that's still stress. So, which is also not going to be, you know, particularly good for her, although maybe it won't cause her to like be, pooping blood um so imminently um i'm wondering if it has to do you know you said it didn't happen at other people's homes i'm wondering uh if if it has to do with you or your home um so those are also maybe variables you could test out how does she do if you're with her um in a completely different environment where there are no other dogs how is she with someone else in your home kind of like we were talking about with the Fiesta Island dog, you know, there are so many variables that, you know, you could be breaking out here to try and get to the bottom of what her issue is. If this is related to, um, something, uh, you know, 100% behavioral. Um, but I am, uh, I, I, I want to make sure you're getting the medical side of things checked out. And, you know, there are, um, veterinary behaviorists, who specialize uh, in dealing with dogs um, who have issues that uh, that you know can require medication? Their veterinary behaviorists are kind of like I think of it like dog trainers are like dog psychologists, and veterinary behaviorists are like dog psychiatrists or like dog psychopharmacologists. And they're not there are not very many of them, um, uh, but uh, the and the the ones that um, we recommend most uh, are also in New York City behavior vets, and they actually have dog trainers who work with them too. So, anyway, it's a it's a field that a lot of people aren't aware of, but um, behavior uh, veterinary behavior um, practices are out there, and they can they can often do regular medicine too. So something to to check out. All right. Um, Thank you so much to those of you who have joined. I will uh, be attempting to do this again next week uh, live. You can sign up at schoolforthedogs.com slash Q&A. And I will also be posting this to the podcast, School for the Dogs podcast. If you have a question for me, uh, just go to anniegrossman.com slash ask. Bye.